HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Le Creuset. Visit Le Creuset for cast iron and stainless cookware, bakeware, pots, pans, and kitchen and bar tools. For more information, visit www.lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and we're here, as usual, at Roberta's. And um, I have a very sweet guest here today. It's Allison Cave, owner of First Prize Pies and the new cookbook, also called First Prize Pies. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining. And uh, thank you for the pie, by the way. Um, My pleasure. Uh, this, I, I'm looking at, I, you know, this decadent kind of like layered um piece of art <laughs> oh thank you and i gotta taste it eat some yeah this is the trifecta pie so it's like my three favorite things oh in one and it's a chocolate peanut butter pretzel pie so the crust has the crust is entirely made just pretzels and butter and then the filling is sort of like a peanut butter mousse and then there's uh, dark chocolate ganache on top the crust is just pretzels and butter straight up pretzels and butter yeah nothing oh. else that works really well. Yeah, I really, when I do crumb crust like this, I never really like to add sugar because yeah. I always feel like, salty. yeah, the best thing about pie is that sort of savory sweet combination and, mm -hmm. you know, there's already enough sugar going on in the rest but of it. I don't know. Did you use like unsalted pretzels? You know, I did, but then I added salt. Okay. Um, normally I use salted pretzels, but it's too salty, right? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it no? depends on the pretzel. Sometimes if you like get the bottom of the bag, <laughs> you have to be careful not to just dump it in because you get all that salt at the bottom. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I only could find like the pretzels I wanted in unsalted. So I just added salt to taste. Okay. Which is a good way if you want to control the amount yeah, of salt. Yeah. Normally, like, salt uh, pretzels are really salty. Yeah, they can be. They can and, be. Yeah, I just remember, like, scraping it off a little bit. But that would be really tedious. Right. For, yeah, when you're making. Crust. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the book is uh, just out recently, and it's gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. Well done. And uh, so, you know, we'll get into some of the recipes pretty soon, but you're sort of... Um, 
the generation Brooklyn Flea, um, <laughs> who has gone on to start another business, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about, and also publish a book. So. Yeah, I know. It's cool. I have a lot of sort of colleagues and peers mm-hmm. and friends who were all like in this, you know, cookbook freshman club where yeah. in the past like year, a bunch of people I know have come out with cookbooks. And it's been really nice to kind of look to them who are, have done this like slightly ahead of me for... Mm-hmm advice and you know yeah because what's wild about your story is that you only started baking pies after you you won a pie contest in 2009 right yeah professionally i mean i'd always baked you know right, my whole true. life but yes it became a profession after i won the brooklyn pie bake-off and it was really like i i never thought it would be like a career i never saw myself sitting here talking about my cookbook you know mm-hmm. it was really just a. Uh, kind of a side gig you know it was oh, like oh that'll yeah. be fun doing this on the weekend yeah. yeah yeah just like a little way to be creative mm-hmm. and kind of have my own thing outside of my career job okay and then it just kind of took off and you know the next thing I knew I was like cutting back on my hours at my day job mm-hmm. and you know it it kind of blew up and I was a full-time baker without ever having really planned to be and yeah I mean I didn't have a business plan or any of that so I was really winging it that's really cool that's what I hear a lot too and and there's something infectious it sounds too about the camaraderie um, of having a lot of colleagues uh, who are doing this and kind of figuring it out yeah definitely I mean it's great you know I don't know. I feel like New York keeps getting smaller in the sense that I keep meeting more people and everyone seems to know each other. And that I really love that. I mean, for me, it's really nice to know that I can show up by myself to, you know, a book launch or like a restaurant opening or something like that. And I'm going to know people there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for for me now, opening my new business, there's been a lot of first time stuff for me in terms of like, getting investors and looking at spaces and signing leases. And I have gotten so much incredible advice and support and just transparency from people I know who've done it already. Yeah. Which is just amazing. And speaking of which, I was going to mention with the camaraderie, you ended up teaming up with uh, another fellow vendor who has a cupcake business, Kumquat cupcakery yep yeah kevy yeah kevy bluer is my business partner so the two of us were friends already we had met a few years ago by the way i'm eating this pie with my hands (laughs) i just have to mention that because the forks are somewhere far away and uh it totally works i yeah i I admire that (laughs) (laughs) uh it's a compliment um yeah so kevy and i knew each other just socially we were like part of the same friend group and um you know, hung out all the time. And it was really nice to have a friend who, uh, you know, like had a similar job and similar kind of lifestyle. one woman bake shop. Yeah, kind of very similar. We had very similar business models. You know, we both did the markets. Like Heavy was one of the first vendors at the Brooklyn Flea. Mm -hmm. We were both doing Smorgasburg. And so it was really nice, you know, and neither of us had a retail location. And we were both doing these sort of like one specialty product type businesses, lots of catering and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And so it was really nice to have a friend who could kind of relate. And a couple years ago, I guess two and a half years ago now, she, um, or two years ago, she called me up and was like, I'm done with this whole like Sherpa nomadic kind of existence. Moonlighting in other kitchens. Yeah. The whole hopping around from kitchen to kitchen Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, 
the biggest thing the biggest thing for me was it's always been really frustrating to not be able to tell people come here you will find yeah. my product you know like it, the markets are great because at least every weekend we can say come to smorgasburg and you'll find us mm -hmm. but it's been you know it's challenging when someone calls you up on a tuesday and is like i want your pie right now and it's oh, like gosh. well sorry you know We're not yeah i mean we have stuff at whole foods now which is great the one in um in gowanus and also the one on house bowery, and bowery. yeah, yeah. Um, so that's good to be able to tell people, you know, there's two rather central locations where they can go, but it'd be nice, you know, that's, that's one of the great things about having a retail space is being there whenever people want you pretty much. So the retail space and your joined, uh, business concept is called butter and scotch. Yeah. Yeah. Butter and scotch, which, uh, that, and it's not just pies or cupcakes. Right. Exactly. So we decided to team up and we didn't want to just have a traditional bakery, and I've been sort of moonlighting as a bartender the whole time that I've had my pie business and also even before that. Um, so I've always really been really into cocktails. Yeah. And, yeah, and I mean, I like make my own Yeah, and I noticed and, that some of the flavors, you have the Manhattan flavored pie. Yeah. That's, that's like the cocktail. Exactly. Um, and there's a mint, the cover is my mint julep cream pie. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked, I always use booze as an ingredient anyway, even in the more traditional pies. I find that it... Even just a little touch of whiskey or rum or, you know, I know there's a rhubarb and what? Rhubarb frangipan. Frangipan. Yeah. That's like toasted almond and vanilla Liqueur, and rhubarb. Right? Mm. There's no there's no booze in that one, although you could put like a little Oh sorry. No, no, that's okay. It would be good with a little thinking amaretto. Of like Frangelica. Never yeah, mind. it would be good. I mean we actually we did a Frangelico uh, a special pie for Frangelico recently mm. that was like a chocolate hazelnut tart with Frangelico, which was amazing. Um, that would be good too. A little bit of Frangelico and the Nutella pie that's in there would be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really, I think it just always gives a little bit extra nuance and sort of sophistication, yeah. you know, just it's fun it to play off of flavors and yeah. So, I mean, for us, so butter and scotch is going to be basically like a bar bakery, like mm. dessert and cocktail bar. And so for us, it's not just about using alcohol in desserts. I mean, we do have some desserts that have booze in it, but it's more about, you know, a place where you can go and like, just have fun and get good drinks and get good desserts. And it's not overly programmed we're not going to have like very strict pairings or anything it's really more just about how all of these flavors can work together and just a really like fun environment like i can't i can't get over this thing that i'm eating right now <laughs> i'm sorry i'm like sort of listening to you i'm like looking at this thing that's um that's it's great. almost like um a truffle yeah but also like a peanut butter cup but also with pretzels. Yeah. It's really good. Thank you. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it's like, I call it the trifecta because it is like the three best things together. Oh, I see. You know, yeah. it's like my three absolute favorite yeah, things. Yeah, definitely try that. And now you can try it yourself by yeah, making a recipe. And that is actually one of the all-time easiest recipes in the book. And I put it in the August. So the book is organized by month and mm -hmm. by season. And I put that one in August because you uh, don't have to bake any of it. You, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you can bake the crust if you want it to be toastier and darker. Oh, you can so you blind just bake mush it. it together. But otherwise, you really don't need to. You just oh. grind up the pretzels with melted butter and you don't even have to bake them. And the filling is just like a mousse that you put in. And yeah. Bakeless pie. Yeah, which is nice in August when you don't want to turn your oven on because it's like unbearable in New York. Oh, my York. gosh. 
That's brilliant. Thank you. So other pie, you know, this book is obviously really not advanced, but I mean, it's really diverse in terms of the types of pies because I don't know. I mean, growing up, I always thought of pie as an apple or cherry or blueberry uh, or pumpkin, you know, always right. like these. The staple and classic I, fruit yeah, pies. Yeah, and I, for some reason, I'd, I didn't really like pumpkin when I was little, so it was all just about the fruit. Um, so this really opens my eyes. Obviously, it's really good. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> Uh, I just uh, I, I also love just the practical instructions. And one of the things that I've had trouble with in my family growing up was how do you make sure the bottom crust doesn't get uh, or gets cooked, doesn't end up soggy, right? And gross. Yeah, yeah. Which is which can be a real problem. Um, for me, I find that it's a pretty safe bet. If you start, I mean, it depends on the type of pie that you're making, first of really? all. Really? Yeah. Oh. So if you're doing like. So say like a juicy, fruity pie. Right. If you're pie. doing a juicy, fruity pie and you're not blind baking the crust, then the way. What baking? Oh, sorry. Blind baking. Blind. <laughs> I saw that in there. Yeah, that's in there too. And I've never heard of that term, blind baking. So blind baking is no. basically just, it, it refers to par baking your crust before you add the filling yeah and you use that really for pies that um have a custard filling that cooks really quickly where the custard bakes off more quickly than the dough Mm. and so you want to blind bake that dough before you add the custard so everything winds up properly cooked like so a custard uh would pumpkin fall into that category falls into that so there's pecan it's Mm. generally open-faced pies that you fill with some sort of you know, mm. liquidy filling, whether it be pumpkin, pecan, lemon cream. So no top crust. That's Generally when, no yeah. top crust. I do know some bakers who blind bake even their fruit pies that have like a top crust. Well, uh, but I don't think that's necessary. I think it's just a matter of you start the oven high. Okay. I start at 425. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I let it go for like 20 minutes and then I bring it down to 350. And what that does is it really kind of browns and like sets mm. that outer crust, you know, I want to see that like crispy on the bottom, just like it is on the top. Exactly. And the other way to sort of ensure that is if you're nervous, say you have a pie pan that's like ceramic and it's thicker and you're worried about that, you can, toward the end, like in the last 15 minutes of baking, take your pie pan and put it right on your oven floor. And the heat from the oven floor will, you know, go up to the bottom and really make sure that the bottom crust is. So we have an uneven situation where the bottom isn't getting as much heat as or the high top. heat as the top. Yeah. And especially now that you mentioned it with a thick, you know, one of those nice Le Creuset or something exactly. pie pans. Yeah. That'll prevent that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, the other way if you're early on and you're nervous and you kind of want to really be able to see it is to use the clear clear pyrex okay and those will really you know then you can really see in and pick it up and look and see if it's golden i think i've done that before and like burnt myself or spilled fruit all over the (laughs) place yeah that happens be careful (laughs) um okay so blind baking is like par baking yeah so it's It's, par baking and what you have to do fill it after yeah you fill it after with the custard but in order to blind bake it, you need to 
line it with foil or parchment and fill it with some kind of weight. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally, I use just dried beans. You can use dried rice. You can use, uh, they sell pie weights, which are these sort of ceramic balls that you can put in. Basically, anything that you can bake. Hold it down so it doesn't, like. Yeah, it fills up uh the void where the filling would be. And it prevents your crust from uh, shrinking and slipping and like slumping down while it's baking because if you just put it in it doesn't have any support like structurally and all of your side dough along the you know perimeter of the pan is just going to kind of slump down into Mm -hmm. the pan Mm -hmm. Um, so you do that for like 20 minutes and then take it out and you can remove the lining and then put your filling in and it just makes sure that you have you know fully baked crust and a perfectly baked Custard. So Your you custard isn't it. overdone. And, yeah. yeah. All right. I have a few more theories that I want to <laughs> tackle, okay. um, but we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude, and we'll be right back chatting more with Allison Cave. Today's music is Bang Bang Sun by Iggy Dean on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. is brought to you by the generous support of Le Creuset. Respect for tradition and authenticity has been Le Creuset's guiding principle since 1925. Yet, their innovative designs and exceptional quality ensure that they remain relevant today. The company began in 1925 when a casting specialist and an enameling expert opened their foundries at the crossroads of transportation routes for iron, coke, and sand. That same year, the first French oven was produced, laying the foundation for what is now an extensive range of cookware and kitchen utensils. Today, Le Creuset provides the finest quality stainless steel, stoneware, silicon, enamel on steel, textiles, and forged hard anodized aluminum, as well as the colorful line of cast iron cookware. Visit LeCreuset.com and shop the full line of cookware, stoneware, bakeware, kitchen tools, wine accessories, and more. Heritage Radio Network thanks Le Creuset for their generous support. We're back chatting more with Allison Cave of First Prize Pies. The book is called First Prize Pies, Shoe Fly, Candy Apple, and Other Deliciously Inventive Pies for Every Week of the Year and More. Um, so we were just talking a little bit about bottom crusts, kind of troubleshooting the undercooked, soggy, potentially gross uh, <laughs> results that you may or may not have gotten like I have. Um, I don't want to like bore any serious pie bakers out there, but I have another question. Of course, um, yeah. This always struck me as odd when I um, first started looking at pie recipes. I don't know when I, as a teenager or something, but why do they always want you to chill the dough and then ask you to roll out this hard, impossible to roll out hard? cold dough okay why why can't we make it soft or like play-doh well i think you yeah so you definitely need to chill the dough after you make it and the reason for that is the dough needs time to rest and hydrate Mm 
Okay. So basically what happens is once you've made your dough and you kind of, I like to bind it really tightly in plastic mm-hmm. wrap before I put it in the fridge. And while it's resting, a lot of the, you'll ha- you know, dough should not be perfectly homogenous. Um, yeah, it should the be chunks. chunky. Yeah. You should have bits of butter. There are going to be parts that are a little more dry. And while it's resting in the refrigerator, a lot of those drier, floury bits will kind of get hydrated with mm-hmm. the moisture that's in the rest of the dough. And it kind of just lets it chill out. It kind of, it, scientifically speaking, it allows the glutens in the dough to kind of relax. And so if you're like, like making pasta right exactly like making pasta um you know whereas the but the objective with pie crust compared to pasta is like completely opposite you know with pasta you want a super elastic really pliable dough you want to like knead it like crazy until it's really like stretchy and elastic and that gives you that awesome like springy chewy al dente pasta texture Mm. whereas with pie dough the objective is to avoid gluten development as much as possible and so there is inherently gluten within your flour but if you're using wheat flour uh but you don't want to overwork it and overdevelop it because that's what makes tough crust, basically. Yeah, tough, like, right. cracker, yeah. Yeah, like that crispy, tough. Yeah, you want the flaky, You like. want it to be flaky and tender. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why you rest the dough in the fridge. However, you do not want to take it out of the fridge and immediately start working it. You want to take it out of the fridge and let it sit on your counter for a good, depending on the heat in your kitchen, 10 to 15 minutes before you start to use it. And that will allow it to soften back up a little bit. Your butter won't be like rock solid. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you've made it correctly, if you've, if you've uh, been gentle and not overhandled it in the making stage of the dough, you can be a little more hands-on with it in the rolling stage. Mm. So generally what I do is I usually have a pretty big wheel of dough that I'm working from. I, I don't make like one, you know, one pie worth at a time. Mm-hmm. And so I will cut off the amount that I need. I'll let it, you know, come a little bit closer to room temperature. And then I'll use my hands and I'll just kind of mash it a little and then shape it into a disc and i and that's where i start with the rolling you want like a nice round even disc shape to roll from because that's going to ensure you know a nice round even circle of pie dough once it's been rolled out okay so kind of like smush it a little bit yeah i kind of i don't necessarily need it but i'll kind of like break it up and reconstitute it a little so that it's all kind of even and and Uh. those big chunky bits that are cold kind of loosen up Mm -hmm. And then I'll shape it into a disc and I flour my surface really well. I flour the top of it. I flour my pin. And I I really like the big, heavy dowel style, French style rolling Oh, the French, pins. yeah, yeah. Um, those I find you work a lot faster and they work a lot more evenly and you can target areas of the dough that are maybe a little thicker or oh, need a yeah. little more attention you can you just have more control yeah because if some areas are thicker or thinner than others then you're going to have the uneven soggy <laughs> right they don't bake evenly my whole objective of this show is to not have soggy pies yeah Sorry. <laughs> i know i'm i'm with you you know i'm totally it's hard when you you know you have this thing where you want the outside to be flaky mm-hmm. and relatively crispy and then the inside is this kind of gooey you know wet 
that filling. So it's about striking that balance. Right. Yeah. So now after you've rolled out the dough, put assembled the filling and the top crust, and you're ready to bake. Okay, so I have this theory because my dad will make pies and then sometimes, for timing purposes, leave it out at that stage uh-huh. before it goes into the oven for, I don't know, an hour or so. And then that's why I always said you have soggy bottom crust because I think something's melting in there, especially because the oven is like preheating and it's close by. Absolutely. Yeah. Something's melting. Yeah. You so don't that's do no that. good. No. So you should bake it right away. Right? You should bake it right away. Or if you, for whatever reason, have timing issues, you can put it in your freezer. Put it in the freezer. And then... <laughs> Bless you. So once it's frozen, it'll bake the same way? Yeah, it'll uh, actually, what's nice is, so... Or even better? Or even better. Or you can put it in the fridge, but you want to keep the dough cold until it goes in the oven. So if you've assembled your pie, and for whatever reason, say your oven is occupied, or it's not hot yet, or occupied. whatever. Occupied. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That should be the title of your next book. I, occupied. My mom would love that. She's <laughs> such a punter, and I'm always Brooklyn making fun occupied. of her. Brooklyn <laughs> Occupied. Sorry. Um, no, totally. So, yeah, like, for, so thanksgiving you're baking an apple pie but you've got a turkey in there or whatever so you can put your assembled pie Mm. in the freezer or in the fridge if it's going to be a while put it in the freezer and what that does is it kind of allows the dough to seize up again it prevents your very wet filling from turning your bottom crust soggy before you've even put it in the oven Uh Um, and that really and it also um, if you have any special design type things on top of the crust like any sort of intricate whatever a web of snowflakes right exactly say you've got that (laughs) but say I mean but if you had some really detailed fancy design if you freeze that dough first you will maintain a lot more of the edges and resolution of that than if you just put it right in the oven because once the it gets to room temp we all know that butter starts to lose its shape exactly so exactly makes a lot of sense yeah and if you also you know at whatever stage when you put it in the oven the oven should be high and that also helps to maintain the integrity of the dough All right. I think I'm going to win this argument in my family. Oh, yeah. Thanks to your I back, help. I back you up for okay. sure on that one. Excellent. <laughs> um, so this candy apple pie that I'm looking at right now, I think I remember hearing about when you first made it because it was at the Just Food yeah. um, fundraiser called Let Us Eat Local. Yeah, it and was you... two years ago now, I think. Yeah. And they had their first ever pie contest. Um, and so... It had to be, you know, local and seasonal ingredients. Um, and what's I, more local and seasonal than apples in New York? Exactly, I mean, yeah. exactly. You but had I had to go there. Yeah, and I, you know, and I really wanted to do something a little different, though. I mean, I have a mm-hmm. bunch of different apple pie. There are a bunch in the in the book, and I've done a lot of different variations. But I didn't want to make one I'd already made before. And my boyfriend Jay had this great idea of like a riff on a candy apple. Mm-hmm. And so I just sort of played around and the filling is made with an apple cider caramel. So it's Ooh. kind of like caramel apple. And then I make this hard kind of spicy candy. Candy coating, drizzle. Yeah. And then I just drizzle it over the top. So it's sort of like that cinnamony, cayenne, ginger, spice with the buttery, savory dough and then the kind of creamy that tart apple. Is- so cool because I always hated candied apples because 
they're impossible to eat. They are. They're just, they're yeah. just frankly not practical. They're not even that good. You just like broke break your teeth and then Yeah, like, I'm always nervous about breaking a tooth on those. Yeah. And also I feel like they never actually flavor the candy with anything. It just tastes like sugar. So I really wanted to make sure that the candy topping on this had a lot of its own Cinnamon, flavor. Yeah. yeah. It's it's gorgeous too. I Thank love how you. it's chiseled. And it sticks to the crust in a in a better way than I think you know, like trying to bite through an apple's skin. So, well, I think that's a much better candy apple, uh, yeah, iteration. Thank you. Than the original. So, well done. Um, so, we're almost out of time, but you have um, a couple of events where you'll be baking and demoing? Yeah, um, we're doing, well, the next thing we've got coming up, um, Butter and Scotch will have a booth at the Village Voice Choice Eats, Eats uh, which is a week from tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, next Tuesday. And um, I'm also going to be doing a really short demo on how to make pie dough from okay. by hand from scratch. So um, I'm just That's basically going to be yeah, walking through. addition to the scene, you know, while people are stuffing their faces. Exactly. It's really nice to, to get to watch some of these things. So. Yeah, I think it's a new cool. thing they're doing this year, mm-hmm. the chef demos. So that should be really fun. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you at the food book fair, probably. Yeah. Sounds like, coming yeah, up in it May. sounds like that's going to happen. We're going to have lots of coverage from Heritage on that. And um, definitely, you know, you could check out First Prize Pies at um, Amazon and any other local. Yep. And uh, the website is firstprizepies.com. So it has the links to, like, all the different places you can buy it and the press. And, and then Butter and Scotch is at butterandscotch.com. So still keeping both going. That's really exciting. Yeah, I've really kept the first prize pies just kind of all about the book now. And mm-hmm. if people want to actually buy a pie, they can buy them through Butter and Scotch. Right. Because yeah. it's still... It's all, still, all in the family. Still you bake in it. Yeah. All right. Well, such a great book. And I'm so excited that I got my hands on one of these copies. And I mean, it's one of those books that you really need or subjects that you really need a cookbook for is pies i think yeah it's pretty technical you don't just come up with it on your own so well i hope that you know people will get comfortable and then they'll start you know the idea is that people will kind of get the confidence to play around and come up with their own own well thanks for doing the i guess pre pre pre-experimentation work on figuring out all these really cool unique recipes and thanks also for the pie you got it like I'm still going at this one. It's so delicious. (laughs) All right. And thanks, everyone, at Heritage Radio Network. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. That you